This morning we're going to have uh, two Bible readings because uh, we're going to be reading uh, chapters 5 and 6 of Esther. Esther chapter 5, 1 to 14. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, what is, your, what is, is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given you. If it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king, together with Haman, come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. Bring Haman at once, the king said, so that we may do what Esther asks. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. As they were drinking wine, the king again asked Esther, Now what is your petition? It will be given you. And what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Esther replied, my petition and my request is this. If the king regards me with favour and if it pleases the king to grant me, to grant my petition and fulfil my request, let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. Haman went out that day happy and in high spirits. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he neither rose nor showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. Calling together his friends and Zeresh, his wife, Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth his many sons and all the ways the king had honoured him and how he had elevated him above the other nobles and officials. And that's not all Haman added. I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave. And she has invited me along with the king tomorrow. But all this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see that due mortal sitting at the king's gate. His wife, Jerish, and all his friends said to him, have, the gallows, have a gallows built 75 feet high and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai hanged on it. Then go with the king to the dinner and be happy. This suggestion delighted Haman and he had the gallows built. Our second Bible reading is from chapter 6, verses 1 to 14 as well. That night, the king could not sleep, so he ordered the book of Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. It was found, recorded there, that Mordecai had exposed Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's officers, who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. What honour and recognition has Mordecai received for this? The king asked. Nothing has been done for him, his attendants answered. 
And the king said, who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows he had erected for him. His attendants answered, Haman is standing in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. And when Haman entered, the king asked him, what should be done for the man the king delights to honour? Now Haman thought to himself, who is there that the king would rather honour than me? So he answered the king, for the man the king delights to honour, have them bring a royal robe the king has worn and a horse that the king has ridden, one with royal crest are placed on its head. And then let the robe and horse be entrusted to the one of the king's most noble princes. Let them robe the man and the king delights the, that the king delights to honour and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honour. Go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get the robe and the horse and do just as you have suggested that for Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Do not neglect anything you have recommended. So Haman got the robe and the horse and he robed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honour. Afterward, Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman rushed home with his head covered in grief and told Zeres, his wife, and all his friends everything that had happened to him. His advisers and his wife, Zeres, said to him, since Mordecai, before whom your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin, you cannot stand against him. You will surely come to ruin. While I was still talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried Haman away to the banquet Esther had prepared. Please leave your Bibles open there on chapters 5 and 6 of Esther. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we pray that you would quiet our hearts and our minds as we sit in your presence this morning to hear from your word. Lord, we pray that you would encourage us as we reflect on how you are working in our lives and on your faithfulness. And Lord, we pray that you would challenge us to trust your wisdom and your trustworthiness. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as the story goes, there was once a man who was in his bedroom and he was kneeling down to pray. And as he began to pray, he called out to the Lord with a loud voice, Lord, and then just waited to see how the Lord would respond. All of a sudden, he heard in a loud, audible voice, yes. A little startled, actually more than a little bit startled. The man replied, can I ask a question? To which God replied, go right ahead. So the man asked this question, God, what is a million years to you? And God replied, a million years to me is like a second to you. 
The man thought for a moment as he reflected on what God had just told him. And then he asked a second question. God, what is a million dollars to you? The Lord replied, a million dollars to me is like a penny to you. The man paused for a second time and then abruptly said, God, can I have a penny? To which the Lord cheerfully replied, just wait a second. It's a silly little story, but it does illustrate the massive difference between the way we view time and the way we view resources and how our loving Heavenly Father sees and knows all things and is in control of all things. He is the one who knows our past, present and our future all at once. He is our loving Heavenly Father. I read these verses as we opened this morning. 2 Peter 3. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. I'm sure we've all had times when we've been passionately, meaningfully praying to the Lord, longing to see an answer to our prayers. That may even be us this morning. Maybe we've been praying for a sick loved one or a friend. Maybe we've been praying for someone to come to Christ. But even though we've been diligently praying for these things day and night, it has felt as though God wasn't listening, Although it, or at least as though he's making us wait for the answer. None of us enjoy waiting on the Lord to answer our prayers. I think we'd all rather God work in our timing rather than his. But even when it doesn't feel like it, God always answers those who trust in him. Sometimes the answer isn't what we want. Sometimes the answer is no. But when the answer is yes, God always acts at the perfect time for our good and for his glory. But because we only see such a tiny glimpse of what God is doing in our lives and the lives of those around us, it can be very hard for us to see God's hand at work at times. But when our hope is in God's trustworthiness, and his perfect timing, we will trust his wisdom and celebrate his power over all things rather than falling for the temptation to want to question his motives. We serve the God who works all things together for the good of those who love him. And he's not slow in caring for our needs. He always acts at just the right time. As chapters 5 and 6 of Esther, well, they provide us with an incredible glimpse of God's sovereign work at hand. As God's, God's doing amazing things through quite ordinary means. There are no miraculous happenings in these verses. 
no plagues like the ones that God used to bring his people out of Egypt, no fire coming down from heaven, although he could have done those things. But in these verses, we see God, the God who sees our past, present, and future all at once, working with perfect time in order to grow the faith of those who trust in him and to save his people. Now, we heard from chapter 4 last week, and as chapter 4 closed, Mordecai had gathered all of the Jews who were living in Susa, and Esther had gathered her maidservants, and they were fasting and weeping and praying that the Lord would deliver them from this horrible decree that Haman had made to have all of the Jews killed on a single day. And as chapter 5 begins, Esther is preparing to enter the presence of Xerxes the king without any authority to do so and at risk of being killed for doing so. As Esther went in to the royal hall, Xerxes just happened to be seated on his royal throne looking at the doorway as she entered. And as he saw her, he was pleased and he held out his golden scepter, showing that he was wanting, he was showing mercy to her. She reached out and touched it. You can imagine the relief that Esther must have felt in that moment. She had just passed from almost certain death. Xerxes would have likely, according to tradition, likely had a soldier sitting right next to him with a sword ready to kill anyone who entered the king's presence without authority. So she had just passed from almost certain death to life. In an instant, the king had shown her mercy. Now, the king would have known that for Esther to take such an action, to boldly come into his presence like this, she had an important reason. And so he asked her what she wanted. To which she replied, if it pleases the king, let the king together with Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. Now, if you remember back to chapter one, the king had held a series of banquets. In fact, six months of banquets. And then at the end of six months, he had another banquet. And all of those banquets, the king had celebrated himself. He'd thrown those banquets in his own honor. Now, Esther had boldly come before the king in order to ask if she could hold a banquet in his honour. And so the king was more than pleased. He was delighted. And with a great sense of urgency, he hurried his soldiers to go and find Haman so that they could go to Esther's banquet. When they arrived, the king and Haman, well, they began to enjoy this banquet while they're enjoying the banquet, the king asked Esther again, what is it that you want? But rather than answering him, Esther chose to delay her response. This could have been her chance to ask for the lives of her people. She may have been working under the knowledge that King Xerxes was very easily influenced when he was intoxicated with wine. She might have been waiting till just the right time. 
Or she may have been just looking for more time to find the king's favour. But instead of asking him for mercy, the mercy for her people right then and there, she asked to be able to hold him a second banquet. Let the king and Haman come tomorrow to a banquet I I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. The perfect time. God made Esther queen. He gave her the beauty and the wisdom she needed to gain favour with everyone who met her. And he caused the king to find her more attractive than any of the other young girls in his harem. And at just the right time, God had caused Mordecai to mourn in dust and ashes, which brought Haman's evil plan to Esther's attention. And at just the right time, God caused the king to show mercy to Esther as she approached unannounced so that she might plead for the lives of her people. Later that day, Haman, well, he left the the banquet in high spirits. He'd just been a part of a banquet with the king and the queen, and he was the only one of the king's officials who'd been invited. Haman had been honoured more than all of the king's other officials. But as he went home in this high state of mood, he was incredibly happy. He saw Mordecai at the king's gate. And as usual, Mordecai did what he had always done in response to to Haman walking by. He paid no attention, didn't even acknowledge him. He didn't rise to his feet nor show any fear in his presence. And this thing alone filled Haman with rage. Haman was furious. Somehow in that moment, he managed to hold it all back long enough to go home and to tell his friends and his family, all those he knew that would agree with him and support him. He began to tell them about all of the honours that the king had bestowed on him and that he was the only one that Esther had invited to this banquet. But alas, none of these things were able to make him happy as long as Mordecai, that Jew, was still sitting at the king's gate. I I suspect that his family and his friends could hear the anger in his voice and none of them wanted to face that kind of wrath. And so they made this suggestion. Have gallows built 70 feet high and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai hanged on it. And this suggestion delighted Haman so much that he had them made immediately that very day. That night, the king was having trouble sleeping. But rather than keeping on tossing and turning, well, he gave the command to have one of his attendants read the chronicles of his reign to him. And as this book was read, the king was reminded of what Mordecai had done for him. If you think back to chapter 2, the end of chapter 2, Mordecai had uncovered a plot to assassinate Xerxes, the king. But for whatever reason, the king had forgotten 
all about what Mordecai had done right up until this moment. As the book of the Chronicles of his reign was read to him that night. When the king found out that nothing had been done to honor Mordecai for saving his life, well, he became very passionate about showing some kind of honor to Mordecai. And just as the king realized that he wanted to honor Mordecai, well, who should walk into the king's court but Haman? That morning, of all mornings, Haman had gotten up early so he could rush to the king and ask to have Mordecai killed on these gallows. But while Haman was conspiring against Mordecai, the Lord was already working in all of these things to save Mordecai from the hand of Haman. King Xerxes, well, he asked Haman, what should be done for the man the king delights to honour? Haman was the highest official in the kingdom, and he was the only one apart from the king that Esther had invited to these banquets. So he thought to himself, who is there that the king would rather honour but me? Under the circumstances, probably a, a reasonable thing to assume. And so he described to the king just how he would like to be honoured. He said, let them robe the man the king delights to honour and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honour. At this, the king told Haman to go at once and to do everything that he had suggested for Mordecai the Jew. Can you imagine the look on, Mor on Haman's face in that moment? It must have been incredibly hard for him to restrain himself in the presence of the king. But he had no choice. Haman went away and did everything the king had commanded. He walked in front of the king's horse and he walked along proclaiming, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honour. When he'd finished doing what the king had commanded, he rushed home with his head covered in grief. He was so upset. And so he went home and he went to the people that he thought would comfort him and say kind words to him. He went home to his wife and his friends and his family. But he didn't get the response that he was hoping for. Instead, his wife said to him, since Mordecai, before whom your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin, you cannot stand against him. You will surely come to ruin. Zeresh, Haman's wife, seems to understand that to fight against God's people is to fight against God himself. She was among those who had advised Haman to set up these gallows. But sometime between when they'd made this advice and now, her eyes seemed to have been opened. And she now realised that her husband was not fighting against flesh and blood, but against the Lord himself. 
before Haman had any time to soak any of this in or change any of his actions, the king's eunuchs hurried Haman off to the banquet that Esther had prepared. As Haman plotted Mordecai's execution, at just the right time, God caused the king to have a bad night's sleep. Of all of the nights that the king could have been tossing and turning, God chose that one. And of all of the things that the king could have done to occupy himself that night, God chose for him to be reading the chronicles of his reign. And of all of the people to be standing in the courtyard right in the moment that the king wanted to honour Haman, God, so oh, honor Haman, honor Mordecai, God chose Haman to be in the courtyard. Right at the point when Haman believed that he was going to be rid of Mordecai forever, God delivered him from the hand of Haman, taking him from death and giving him life in an instant. And while all of this was going on, Mordecai didn't even understand what he was being saved from. At just the right time, God was working in all of these events to cause a great reversal of everything that had been plotted against his people. It was now about, about a week after the Jews in Susa had heard about Haman's decree to have all of the Jews killed on a single day. God's people had been fasting and weeping and no doubt praying that the Lord would deliver him, deliver them. And even though a week doesn't sound like all that long of amount of time, if you're facing annihilation, a week is a very long time to wait for your prayers to be answered. But at just the right time, God was bringing about the deliverance of his people. In these verses, we see an incredible reversal taking place as God works through all of these events in order to deliver his people. And as we read about these events, we're meant to be reminded of how God is working through all of the events of our own lives, that God works in the ordinary events of each of our days at just the right time for our good and for his glory. God doesn't need to use amazing signs and wonders to bring us closer to him or to give us clear answers to our prayers because God is working in all of the events of our lives as he brings his people to himself. Yet the greatest sign the greatest event, the greatest answer to prayer was God himself sending his son. At just the right time, he sent Jesus to fix our greatest problem, alienation to God and the consequences of our sin. Even though we weren't and probably still aren't aware of how bad those consequences really are, Yet God gave himself as a sacrifice for us to free us from certain death and to give 
us life, life in him by raising Jesus from the dead. By doing that, God answered our greatest need for our good and for his glory. And he gave us a basis for understanding who he is and his trustworthiness to, uh, to rely on when we have a need. Mordecai and Esther and all of the Jews in Susa fasted, wept, and no doubt pleaded with the Lord for deliverance. By doing so, they were acknowledging that God is the only one who was able to take care of that need, to deliver them in their time of distress. There will be times when we are praying to the Lord for something that is deeply troubling us, something that is extremely important to us. Maybe we've been praying for that need for days, for weeks or even years. We will be tempted to want to have that prayer prayer answered in our time rather than in the Lord's. But God's timing is always perfect. He sees and knows more about what is going on around us and in our lives and in the lives of those around us than we could ever hope to do. And so if God is making us wait for an answer to our prayers, then we should consider what is it that God might be teaching us through this time of waiting? What is he trying to show us through this time of waiting? Waiting on the Lord is an act of faith. Faith that God is trustworthy and that we can trust him to do what is right and just and best in that situation. Waiting on the Lord helps us and stops us from taking matters into our own hands or acting in our own strength to try and resolve the problem. And waiting on the Lord grows and strengthens our dependence on him. It's good to look back and think about all of the little ways that God has worked through the events of each of our lives. So in those times when we are tempted to become frustrated as we wait on the Lord to answer our prayers, we can be reminded of how many times he has been faithful. So as we trust the Lord, with our future, as we bring our prayers to him in those times when we are frustrated, when we just want him to deliver us from this situation, or we just want to see his hand at work. May we find our hope, our confidence in God's trustworthiness, in his faithfulness. May we trust his wisdom and his perfect timing to answer our prayers, knowing that he knows more about what's going on than we do. May we trust that our loving Saviour delights to answer the prayers of those who trust in him. Let's come before him now in prayer. Father God, 
We have all had times when we have been praying for someone we love, maybe a son or a daughter or a friend or a family member we want to see come to Jesus. Maybe someone we love or care about who is sick or suffering. Lord, we, we recognize this morning that we do not always understand the bigger picture of how you are working and what you are doing. And we ask you this morning, Lord, we believe, help us in our unbelief, Lord. Help us to trust you, to trust you in those times when we do not understand what you are doing, to trust that you are good, that you are just, and that you are wholly trustworthy in all things. Lord, grow our dependence on you as we pray and as we trust you with the timing of the answers to those prayers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.